We are so glad you found Connected NAS podcast. Our intention of this podcast is to put out weekly content that encourages you, challenges you, but most of all brings you closer to Jesus. Most of the weekly content will be in the form of sermons preached at Connected NAS in Carson City, Nevada. We are a church that exists to connect people with God and with each other. We believe that the best way to fill out to live out this mission is with a local church. This podcast is not designed to replace the teaching and preaching of a local pastor, but to be in addition to the teaching at your local church. For those of you that are part of the Connected NAS family and are mainly here to listen to sermons that you missed or just wanted to hear again, I'm glad you found us. The best way to be, make sure that you are able to stay up to date on the latest content is to su- subscribe to this channel wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm excited to begin this new journey. All of the music that you hear is brought to us by Ascending Nation and used by their, with their permission. Go check them out on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Amazon Music. This journey is going to be fun, and I'm excited. So if you're ready, buckle up. Probably not exactly the way that they wanted to. Um, we kind of wanted to be in the big room. Um, but then they also figured that it wouldn't be okay for Lady to be seven uh, when we did this. So um, we're going to go ahead and do it in today. So if I want to invite um, Matt and Brittany and whoever else you guys want to be part of this up here. Lady, of course, and Lady. <laughs> We have several examples of dedication in Scripture. The first one starts with Hannah praying for a child, and she brings him to the priest and dedicates Samuel to service of the Lord. We also see that Joseph and Mary do this with Jesus when he is time to be presented to the temple. And so over and over again, we see this idea of dedicating back. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys some questions. And if you are fully here today to dedicate Lainey to walk in the footsteps of Jesus for the rest of her life with your help, um, then you will just answer, we do. Um, It's pretty easy. It's even easier if I can find the question. Just give me that kind of morning. All right, we'll do it this way. Do you, both dedic- do you both promise in this covenant to make sure that Lainey sees Jesus in your lives? Do you promise to guide her footsteps to church? <laughs> Congregation, we like to do these on Family Sunday because this is not just a dedication that these two are participating in. These three, these four, Jacoby's here in spirit. This is, this is a dedication that we are doing, that we are saying that we are not in charge of raising this little one, but when Matt and Brittany need some help, that's what we're here for. We are an extended family. It takes a village to raise an idiot. <laughs> Matt's been in the church a while, so... Um. No, we do believe in this idea that it does take a village. And I'm going to ask you, will you be the kind of family and congregation that Lady needs to grow up with? If you will, say, I, we will. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Can I hold you? Maybe. Hi. Hi. 
Laney Jane, it is my privilege and honor to dedicate you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. May your days never be dark and always be lit by the light himself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have a certificate. That's blank. So I'm going to fill it out before I give it to you. Uh, <laughs> it was a miracle that it got printed. I don't know if you guys know this. One of the things I like to do when I do these is I look up uh, what names mean. And um, in case you guys didn't know, Laney, um, I have to trace back like four uh, word genealogies because y'all made it up. Um, <laughs> But Lainey actually derives from the name Elaine, which comes from a Greek word Helen, which is Helios, which means sun or ray of light. So up here on this, this part is filled out. It does say Lainey, ray of light. And that is the prayer that we pray for her life, that she will be a ray of light. Give him a hand. Let's clap. Weddings are cool, but... Those are a little cooler. People don't let me hold them at weddings. <laughs> Charges get pressed. We appreciate I don't get asked to come back. <laughs> they don't let me stay for the reception. It's quite terrible. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we realize just the, I mean, I, I, I tend to uh, make jokes in the light of seriousness. Um, that was a very, that, that moment that we celebrate here as a church family is huge. That we as a church family are ready to take on a responsibility to make sure that we are support groups to uh, families. And, and I don't take that lightly. So what that means is uh, maybe six out of ten times that Matt and Brittany ask me to babysit, I'll say yes. It, it's just past 50-50 because I just participated in that. But we want to be here to support you guys. We want to be here to make sure that Lainey has everything that she needs spiritually, and we are glad that we get to be your home. We are uh, in the middle of a series that I've enjoyed, um, and really that's all that matters. Uh, so, not really. All right, it's going to be one of those mornings. Um, we've been going over our core values, the reason why we exist, the reason why we function, the reason that makes us be a church. Like, why? There are plenty of churches in Carson, so why have one more? What makes us different? What makes us unique? What makes us uh, reach out to a community that's different than everybody else? What we do, and why do we do it? So we've been covering this, and we, the first week we talked about this idea that our first core value is to reach, and it's why we invite, and, and, and the motive behind our invitation. It's not to trick people, it's not to bash people. It's just to invite people in because we believe that Jesus is better experienced than explained. And then the, the second week we talked about um, giving and what that looks like and what do we give to. We don't just give to make sure the power bill is paid. We give to make sure that uh, people in our community have what they need and, and, and to be able to come alongside people and make sure they feel supported financially with food and everything else, other, other things that they need to, to function right. And then we talked about our third one, which is gather. We, we, we put a very big importance on this gathering together. And the reason why we said that, again, was not to have a full church. We gather together because we believe where two or more are gathered, he is there also. And so we gather to make places sacred. This building is just brick and sheetrock and weirdness. But when we gather here, we bring the sacred into this place. And so that's why we put a big emphasis on gathering together. The fourth one we're going to talk about today 
is this idea of growing. And, and, and the core value based on that is that we believe that growing people change. We, we, we believe there's this importance to, 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 being, to moving, right? And to not just being the same. You may have heard this phrase before, and, and, I, and I believe it mostly. There's a phrase that people like to say that says, uh, God loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like that. Right? And so there's this idea that we are being, we, we are being compelled and moved. We're not being pushed. Uh, and the reason why I kind of push back against that phrase is because it kind of seems like God is pushing us to something we don't want to do. Scripture is full of these awesome metaphors of God compelling. His kindness compels us into something else. It draws us into him. There's no pushing involved. There's no God behind us shoving us and hitting us with two-by-fours and that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a gentle draw into something bigger. And so as we talk about growing, I want us to do it from that standpoint. I love the fact that, that Jesus came in a very agricultural time where things grew. Right? There's very few of us, especially in Nevada, that understand what growing looks like because nothing grows here except elm trees. <laughs> elm trees will grow in Antarctica and the surface of the sun, I'm pretty sure. It, it doesn't matter. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't matter. They will grow anywhere. When we lived in Chico, we had this thing called a growing season, and it wasn't just August like it is here. You, you could plant tomatoes in April. And you would get two or three harvests of tomatoes in a year. And, but the really cool thing was is that when you, when you take the time to plant and cultivate, there's this thing that you have to do. It doesn't matter how much you do. It doesn't matter what you do. You have no control over whether or not something is going to grow. You can, you can water it just right. You can fertilize it. You can prune it how you need to. But the bottom line is, unless it gets pollinated right, unless things ha- there are things out of your control. So, how we look at growth here is this, that we want to see you growing and changing to look more and more like Jesus, but we are never going to put a calendar time on you and say, listen, you've been coming here for three and a half months, it's about time you look more like Jesus. <laughs> you're, you're really killing me here, you're, you're throwing off our whole thing. We, we believe that everything kind of happens on a time frame that Jesus is working with you and, and in your life. So what that looks like a lot of times is we do things that people will look outside the church and go, see, those Christians, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. First of all, my argument to that is embrace it because you are a hypocrite. Mostly because we want to do something that we're not doing, which technically by definition is hypocritical, Right. I mean, just embrace it. We're doing the best we can, but sometimes it does come across hypocritical. So you embrace the fact that, yes, we do mess up sometimes. But here's the thing. You cannot compare me to someone that has been following Jesus for 40 years. I cannot compare someone that has just been following Jesus for two weeks to someone that has been following Jesus for 20. We all are in our own place, and we're growing at our speed and our pace, and God is showing us things that we are changing daily. That's the important thing. So as we talk about growth and we talk about growing people change, the change is very organic and it is very personal to you. Change is going to look different and sometimes it looks really slow. Sometimes there's people that have been in this building, not this building, but at this church for 16 years and you look at them now and and I've been able to do this because I've been around for a long time and just the conversations that you have out in the coffee shop change. 
And you start talking about different things. And you start embracing different ideas. And you start serving in a different way in your heart. And you start to see these little tiny things that add up and add up and add up and add up. The scripture that we tie to this core value is out of Romans. If you've been around for a while, you've heard Romans 12. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 are probably um, one of the most famous high school camp verses ever. Uh, in fact, we'll just go with straight up youth group verses. Um, it, it's one of those verses that really stick out and really kind of compel you to do something different with your life. And as we know, anyone that is my age or even a little bit younger, it gets a little harder to change the older you get. You get a little more stubborn. So in Romans 12, verse 1, it says this. This is what Paul writes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So this is almost, we'll call this the goal, right? To be able to get to a place where we can offer our entire bodies and everything that we do as an act of worship. We make a mistake in the church by saying, hey, we have worship service that starts at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. Come and join us for worship service. First of all, very little service going on, right? I mean, I don't know why we call it that because, I mean, we're not out there. Worship service should be us going out and, like, feeding people, right? That's worship service. We gather here for a different thing, but we call it worship service. And so we get in our minds that music is worship. What part of church do we worship? We worship during the music part. And so our definition of worship kind of gets tweaked around by the fact that we, in order to worship, have to sing. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Ben and all of the worship leaders out of business. <laughs> you are a worship leader. And I don't mean everyone should sing. Believe me, I don't mean that. I've heard some of you sing. And that just should not happen. <laughs> What I mean by all of you are worship leaders is what Paul is saying here is he is directing us that when we go out into our lives, we should live our lives in such a way that we are worshiping wherever we are with whatever we're doing. Everything we do, if we're going to work, if we're going to the pool, if we're going to school, whatever we're doing, wherever we work, wherever we, wherever we post up, that is where we are going to worship. And we're going to worship in an act of a way that we live our lives. And so everything we do, the goal is to get to that point. So as Paul starts in Romans 12.1, he starts this idea that make your life a living sacrifice. This is the ultimate command for Christians, to make your life a living sacrifice, to go out and do something that is bigger than who you are, and to recognize the fact that you are not just spirit, you are not just body, you are something bigger than that, and you take it everywhere you go to, to be able to worship. So Paul says, Paul says, take your body, take all the tasks that you have to do every day, Take all your ordinary work, your grocery shopping, even if people are in the line. You know what line I'm talking about, the 15 or less, and they have 22 items. We have to take our active worship there too. And I think that means not pushing them out of the way. I haven't decided on that yet. No matter where you are, the factor, whatever, wherever you go, every single day, we need to make that an active worship. The problem is, that's not easy to do. Because there are people that want to stop in intersections that don't have stop signs. There are people that cut you off without using a blinker. There are people that have 22 items in a 15 item or less line. These people exist. So it becomes very, very hard to always live in this act of worship, to be in this place where we are constantly giving and, and sacrificing ourselves to be able to do that. 
the most significant thing that we can do and the true worship is offering to God one's body every single day. To just be able to say, here's my hands, here's my feet, do with it what you must or what you want. Real worship is not offering to God liturgy or music or even reading scripture out loud. Real worship is offering God every day, every second, every minute. We might say we're going to church to worship God, but we should say, I'm going Tuesday to worship God. I'm going to work to worship God. I'm going to whatever, fill in the blank. And it doesn't mean that you're going to walk around and just with hallelujahs constantly on your lips, raising your hand, because we have this idea of worship, right? But we're going to live in a way that honors God every single day of our lives. This is what Paul demands, this radical change. This is what we're striving for. But the problem is, how do we get there, right? There, there's, a, there's a lot. I, I would love to be able to say that I, I worship every day. Everywhere I go, I have this aura of Jesus around me. It's not true. I mean, it, there are times where I fail miserably. But this is the goal. This is where Paul is asking us to get to, to be a, a constant living sacrifice to Jesus. This is where we're headed. This is where we're trying to get. So how do we get there? In verse 2, Verse 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we get to the point where we are living in constant worship? There has to be some sort of change. There has to be some sort of transformation. That may not happen overnight. It may not happen in a month. It may happen in six years. But the change has got to be taking place. This is, this is the only time I'm going to do this, I promise. I wasn't going to get nerdy today, but um, it's just too good to not get nerdy today. There's two Greek words that Paul uses in this phrase right here. And the first one is this word shema, which it actually means it's like an outward change. So a shema would be like you didn't wear the same clothes when you were five that you do today, right? That's just, well, some of you do, but Lizzie might. Um, but the, the, there's this idea that the Shema is what is transformed by the outside world. We do not be transformed by the world. So the Shema is a thing that, that comes and goes. It's patterns. It's what you like. It's your food preferences. It's your clothes preferences. It's these things that we do every day to kind of take on. So, so, so Paul says, look, that's one thing to be in, in that area. That's going to change from year to year. So you're not going to always be wearing the same clothes or whatever. The word that he uses for to be transformed Instead of conform, so that, that's the conforming, the shema. The word to be transformed is, I'm just going to say part of it, because it's a uh, metamorphosathai, I don't know. But it's, it, the root is morphe, right? And that word is something that does not change. It is a constant. So do not, be, do not conform to the world. Do not just put on whatever patterns the world has for you. Do not just, just wear what, I mean, do not just go out and do whatever you're going to do because that's what the world's doing or everyone else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. That's going to change. Those things change. But there's a constant, this idea, this, this, this morphe is this constant thing that does not change. It will always be the same, and you will not change that thing. So how do we live as a living sacrifice? We change and grow toward this idea that we are morphing into Jesus. Now listen, that, that sounds crazy, and it sounds very sci-fi. I'm not saying that we will one day 
wake up in a cocoon and be transformed into Jesus. But what I want to do is I want my character and the insides, not the outside, not the schema, not, not the thing that changes regularly, but the insides of who I am to look more and more like what Jesus does. So what am I? I'm motivated by things that are bigger than me. I don't, I don't feed people so I feel good. I feed people because they're hungry, and that's what Jesus asked us to do. We don't clothe people because we have extra. We clothe people because they're naked and they need something. And our motivation changes because we're no longer conformed to the patterns of the world where we'll say, okay, we're going to do a food drive, but we're going to tell everyone we're doing it because that's just good advertising. That, that, that's the wrong thing. We're going to do a food drive and we're going to feed people because people are hungry. We're going to go, we're going to pay someone's rent because they need rent paid. Right? There, there are these things that we do because they're just what the kingdom of God needs us to do. And so, when we look at this idea that growing people change, we are changing to be able to become living sacrifices. And the more, the closer that you get to this idea of kingdom living, the easier this stuff gets. We have a $50 word. It's probably more expensive than that. In the Nazarene church, we call it sanctification. And this idea of change is really that. This constant renewing of our minds to, to, to do something. Paul does not say it's the renewed mind. He says it's the renewing of our minds, knowing this is going to take your lifetime. And we are constantly going to be growing. We have this thing with sanctification where we say there's some kind of catalyst that takes place in your life. And, and a catalyst is not a bad thing. It's anything, right? Uh, having a kid is a catalyst because things change. Getting married is a catalyst. Uh, there's lots of good things, but also getting a divorce is a catalyst. Having a loved one die is a catalyst. And so these things that come in our lives that move us in a direction are the things that are calling us to grow and change deeper to look more like Jesus. So this idea of how we need to live as a human, as a living sacrifice, not a human sacrifice, totally different religion, (laughs) but how we need to live in this idea of, of, of being a living sacrifice is that we change in a way that every day when we wake up, we make a decision. And that decision is to follow Jesus. Some of us, every minute we wake up mentally and go, I need to follow Jesus. It's it's often, it's not coincidental, but it's one of these things that just makes me always think about how close recovery and Christianity is. I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but the 12 Steps was founded. He was a Christian man. Uh, a lot of the stuff he did was all based in scripture and with Jesus. But the crazy thing about it, and the most important thing is, we tend to think that if we make a decision, that's the decision we have for the rest of our lives. And we either weigh ourselves down with that because of the shame and burden that we have. So let's say we make a bad choice. We, we, we could give a lot of examples, but it is a family Sunday, so we won't give too many examples of a bad choice. We make a choice that, sh- that shifts the course of our life, right? Now, we have another choice to make in that. The shame and the guilt can own you, and you can continue to live with that label. Whatever label that is, addict, loser, stupid, not good enough. You can constantly live in that place with that label, or you can choose to let that go and use it as a catalyst to go closer to truth. 
But you have to do that every day. You cannot make the choice. If you've been told since you were a little kid how stupid you are, you can't just one day wake up and go, I'm not stupid anymore. I'm good for the rest of my life now. This is something you do every day. It's just like if you choose to stop drinking or stop doing drugs, you can't make that choice once. That choice has to happen every day. That's why they say, one day at a time. One day at a time is not just for recovery. One day at a time is for Christianity as well. Because every day, the idea of changing and growth means that every day we wake up, we acknowledge the fact that we need a Savior and that we are going to go closer to Him. Every day. You don't get to make that decision when you were five and just go, I'm good. I'm good forever now. Solid. We've got to have that change. And that change comes from a Savior that is so loving, that doesn't push, but compels. And the idea is, as we walk more and more with Him, as we, as we gather together, as we learn that our resources are really from Him anyway, as, as we learn what it is to invite people to experience this Jesus, as we get more and more involved in this, as we watch a baby being dedicated into this, with the parents saying, I, and I, I know them well enough to know that this is one of the scariest things you can do as a parent. There, there's a song, a chorus that we sing sometimes. Well, we used to do it a lot in the 90s. But the, the chorus went, I want to know you more. I want to know you. And people would just sing that song. And I'm thinking, you have no idea what you're saying. Because if you knew the lyrics of that song, most of us would not sing it. I want to know you more. You know what that looks like? That means you have to go to the people that you don't like and love them. Because to know Jesus more, that's what you do. The people that aren't like you, you have to show up and you have to be there for them. You have to be willing to sacrifice who you are. You have to be constantly growing into something that is uncomfortable. But that's exactly what we do. So when Matt and Brittany stand up here and they say, yes, we'll do that, it's the hardest thing in the world. But the declaration is this. We are declaring that this is a choice that we're making. And we are going to do our best to get there. Every day we are going to grow to look more like Jesus so that Lainey and Serenity and Jacoby and that whole family will someday learn what that looks like because they make that choice to grow. What I don't want to happen is today anyone to leave here and go, well, shoot, I'm not growing at all. I haven't changed. I'm still that person. I'm still... I, I, I'm still stupid. I still have no worth. I still, I still can't even function. In, I, I, I'm still an addict. And all of a sudden you get bogged down with this guilt and this shame. Because here's the thing. The best thing about growing people changing means that as long as you're breathing, God's not done with you. As long as you have breath, God is not done with you. And so there's always another opportunity. There's always a chance for you to go, you know what, today I surrender. And tomorrow you may screw up. But you're not worried about tomorrow. You're worried about today. Today I surrender. Today I am going to live my best Jesus life. Today. And then I'll worry about tomorrow when I wake up tomorrow. Because if I start worrying about tomorrow, that's way too overwhelming for me. I just got to do today. And so if you came in with some kind of burden, with some kind of heaviness, with some kind of this identity, this label of failure on you, then I'm going to tell you right now, today, right now, is a day you can say, I don't own that anymore. 
I want to be different. And you can begin to change now. And you can begin to wake up tomorrow knowing you're going to change. And you can begin to go to bed at night knowing you're no longer who you were yesterday. You can walk out of this place knowing that you're different. You can sit down at a table with people that you don't even know knowing that you're different now. And this is what it looks like. You've heard this illustration before if you've been here before. But it's just my favorite one because I get to talk about me in my underwear. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17 says that you are a brand new creation when you enter a relationship with Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. So here's the best way I can make this look. That you are no longer who you were, that you are changing, you're becoming something new. If you move from one house to another house, you've moved all your stuff out, you've lived in this new house for a year. You would think it's ridiculous if someone suggested to you, hey, why don't we go back to your old house, see what's in the fridge, sit down on the couch, and just have a good time. Or like this. If I was, you ever, you ever drive an autopilot where you drive down the same road every time and then you have to go somewhere different but you forget and you just pass right by everything? What if, what if you drove home after a year of moving somewhere, you drove back to your old house, you just walked in, you opened the fridge, you grabbed some, some dip and some potato chips out of the cupboard. You got in your underwear. You sat on the couch and started eating it. And then the owners came home. They're probably not going to think that's cool. Because it's weird. We wouldn't do that. So the idea of being able to grow in a way that we change means that we are leaving old stuff behind and we are reaching toward new stuff constantly. You want to know how to break the shame and guilt cycle? You break the shame and guilt cycle by listening to the truth that you don't have to be that way anymore. And by letting those lies go. You know how you do that? Forgiveness. Not just from Jesus, but you've got to forgive yourself. You, you've got to get to a point where you can look at yourself in a mirror and say, we've done this wrong. We're not going to do that anymore. And I forgive you for yesterday. And then embrace this idea that we have a Savior that also forgives. The only difference is, when you forgive yourself in the mirror, you're probably still going to feel a little tinge of guilt and shame. It's going to take a while of changing that monologue. But when we ask for Jesus' forgiveness and we turn away from what he said, he says he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He casts our sin into the depths of the ocean. The omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful God chooses to forget the things that you've done. So when he looks at you, you are a new creation. So when you come back to your old house in your underwear, it drives you a little nuts. Because he doesn't know that anymore. Growing people change. Our goal here is to change to look more like Jesus. To serve more like Jesus. To live in a kingdom that is more like heaven. And we help to provide that. Here in a little bit, the band's going to come back up. We're going to do a couple more songs. We're going to go into our connecting time. I just want to, before we do all that, I'm going to pray for the food. I, I want to invite to make sure everyone understands that this is not something that, uh, that you had to bring something to participate. I've never seen, this, is, this might be the most crock pots we've ever had. <laughs> and so, 
we are going to need you to stay and eat some food. Uh, so if you, if you want to, we, we do have some tables set up in the construction zone. So if you're going to go in there, I'll just, just caution you to just be a little bit more careful. Uh, we've tried to make it as safe as possible, but it got cold and winter time came, so we couldn't be outside. Um, so uh, we're going to move into that. We're going to transfer into our connecting time. Pastor Jess is going to tell you how we function through this time. And, and during this time, this is a great opportunity for us to be able to reach out and seek that change. Seek that thing that we're talking about. This is a great time to, well, I don't want to steal her thunder. She'll tell you about the, what we could do with that cross back there and how we can just surrender things. What I want, though, is I want for all of us to connect with God. So as she's doing this, be thinking about that. I'm going to pray for the food, so that way, as soon as we're done with the music, I'll come up and do a benediction. We can eat and have a good time and just kind of hang out. Father God, I thank you for the ability to gather here. I thank you for the ability to, to just come in the way that we are, knowing that you can change us. Not because you're forcing us to change, but you compel us to something better. You give us a better story. You give us a better object on the end of the teeter-totter that we're balancing with our lives. Lord, I ask that you move in a way this morning that you just penetrate the hearts of people connecting with you. Father, I ask that you bless the food, that we just have a great time hanging out and talking as a family. Lord, don't stop moving. Keep moving. In Jesus' name, amen.